What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single day. Start your day listening to Locked On Blazers five days a week, free, 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 free on all platforms. Tell your friends to do the same in that way. By the time you get to lunch, you'll have something to talk about. Got a lot to talk about today. It is NBA Draft Week. Fun, 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 fun show for you today. We got uh, the latest Blazers scuttlebutt rumors, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And then we're going to talk second round targets. I've got eight names, eight names, but the Blazers have a couple... A couple second round picks, and uh, and and these are players. Frankly, I like I like in the second round. Um, I've I've done my research. I've narrowed it down to to eight possibilities. We will go through all of them. But first, let's talk about that butt that's being scuttled. Reports from ESPN: both Jonathan Gavoni, NBA draft analyst, and veteran reporter Brian Winhorst, with essentially the same the same news, the same tales from Rip City. Uh, Jonathan Gavoni on the Low Post, uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, available on all platforms, you know where to find it, uh, it's, it's reported that um, it's like in the last hour of, of the show that released on Tuesday, January 21st, if you want to go listen to it. But that the Blazers are, the the latest whispers coming out of Portland, that the Blazers are going to keep their pick and that they would prefer to draft Shaden Sharp if he's available. That's that's the, that's the That's who they got their eye on. Brian Winhurst in a television hit, like in a hit on on ESPN, a TV hit on the ESPN, said the same thing that the Blazers are are uh, are lo- who are long rumored to be shopping their pick. Seem to be the latest seems to be that they are they are comfortable keeping their pick. They're not going to trade back, trade down. They're just going to stay at seven, and their eyes are on Shaden Sharp, the guard from Kentucky, wing six six, wing ish from Kentucky. Oh. Okay, then. What does this mean? Well, with all of this stuff, I have encouraged you, dear listener, to think about why the news would be there. And I think with this one, this is a real media literacy test. And I want to be clear. Brian Winters is a veteran reporter who's broke a whole bunch of news in his life. Darn good at it. Super plugged in. Uh, nailed the Ben Simmons trade this year. Like, was was on it. Was on the Ben Simmons-James uh, Harden swap when even his colleagues, even Adrian Wojnarowski was not. Wendy had it. Wendy, Wendy was there a day a day early. He had it. Dude knows stuff. Dude's plugged in. He's plugged in as they come. He's maybe not as, like, Twitter happy, but he's, you know, so he's not, he's not sending out tweets, but he's, Wendy's got it. Got the bona fides. Jonathan Gavoni is as plugged in the draft guys there is in the world. Straight up, he's been doing it for, you know, 15 years or something like that. And Draft Express, prior to working at ESPN and Yahoo, was the spot. Um, Jonathan Gavoni's been that dude. Like, he he gets, he knows, he is talking to folks around draft time and all year long. I am sure this is what they've heard. I'm not questioning the the, the veracity of, of, of the reporting. I am merely saying, after months and months and months, or at least two months, 
two two straight months of it, of everybody, including both of those gentlemen, saying that the Blazers were shopping their pick and it was the most likely pick to be moved, and they were the team that was like, uh, you know, that everyone was active in those trades. Two days before the draft, it's totally shifted, and they and and everybody's got and it's clear who they've got their eyes on. To me, this sounds like something that could be a smokescreen. And I, I to, 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 let me be clear about what I mean by that. There is some value in the world, us, me and you, dear listener, and, 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 and others out there, believing that the Blazers really do have their eyes on Shane Sharp. And quite frankly, the Blazers might really like Shane Sharp. There's been some reporting, including from Gavoni, that, that Damian Lillard really likes Shane Sharp. Uh, Dame's been at all the draft workouts. There's pictures of him at, you know, every single one of them, but specifically at Shane Sharp's workout where he worked out with with a group, you know, working with, working with Sharp a little bit, talking to Sharp. Um, it's... They're, the, Portland is certainly interested. They brought him into the facility and they talked to him. And I think Sharp is this is a really, really intriguing prospect. In fact, I've said in the podcast, and I'll say again, if he was there, I kind of think the Blazers should just do it. Because he's the upside play that um could change the course of the of the franchise, right? Like if he is, you know, what, you know, is the number one player in his recruiting class and didn't play a season at Kentucky, but if, you know, the athleticism and the shooting like comes around and he is, you know, top three pick potential and in other drafts or in another situation where there was just like a little more data on him and he didn't kind of avoid the data, uh, then, you know, and you get him at seven, this is, you know, franchise altering type of talent. I think he's the biggest upside swing of anyone that would be available at that spot. Um, I've, when I was doing my, like, who should the Blazers draft? I just like kind of thought Sharp would would likely be off the board, but I, I said it then, I'll say it now. If he's there, I think he's, I, you take a long and serious look. So it totally makes sense that the Blazers would be interested. That checks out. But it also makes sense that there would be value in the world thinking they were interested for a variety of reasons. One, it puts pressure on teams in front of them to, if Sharp is their guy, they can't trade back and get him. They got to go ahead and get him at, at, you know, uh, Detroit, Sacramento, Indiana. They have to go ahead and get him. You know, they'll obviously they'll have the opportunity to, but they know that if they do and, you know, if some team wants to wiggle, wiggle up and trade back, that's that's the spot. And moreover, Teams like OKC, who's sitting at 12, and New York, who's sitting at 11, and Charlotte at 13 and 15, if they have are enamored with Sharp as well, they know that they've got to jump Portland to get there. So it puts pressure on other teams to make moves. In addition, it makes the Blazers, it gives the Blazers some leverage. Because if Sharp's on the board and they're at seven, they the it is out there in the world that they are totally comfortable with Sharp, which gives them more leverage when they are talking trades, when they are on the clock, or when they are approaching about to be on the clock. Like, you know, whoa, just four picks ahead of the actual draft. The NBA is seven picks of the actual draft. Like, folks know what's happening. It's moving quickly and really does on draft night. It's why it's really fun. If the word is out there that the Blazers are really, truly, you know, totally comfortable taking Shaden Sharp because he's their guy, other teams might, if they also, if Sharp is their guy, also might be up, might sweeten the pot for trades. There is value in that, in in that being out there. There is absolute value in being out there. And quite frankly, I trust the months of reporting versus the days before the draft reporting. 
this is the time. This 48-hour period is the high time for smoke screens and things that, and you know, everything, like I said on previous podcasts, for everything being true and everything not being true at the same time. For just, um, you know, stuff being out there and reporters hearing hearing the real word, but that real word being out there for a variety of reasons, because it, it someone wanted it out there. That's what I always want to get across to you when you're thinking about breaking news. Why, why is this information out there? And specifically with the Blazers, why is this information out there? And I think um, there's a variety of reasons it would help Portland or the simplest read, um, shout out to Occam's Razor, is that the Blazers like Shaden Sharp and they'll take him. And quite frankly, that's fine with me. That would be like, a, I would be think that would be a totally reasonable selection. I would be uh, more than more than comfortable with the Blazers going Sharp at seven. It doesn't necessarily have a path to playing right away because he's probably a guard early in his career until he fills out a little bit and can play up in the wing. I think he's, you know, at 6'6", I think he can eventually play a little bit of three in the league and, and, and you can get away with it. Uh, but probably early in his career, he just might not have the physicality to play against, uh, you know, larger wings in the league so that would be tough and also the Blazers you know they they're gonna have two big minute guards if assuming Anthony Simons is back along with Dame like and then you gotta play Josh Hart some minutes so there's just like not a ton of room for Sharp early in his career but if you're drafting Sharp you're drafting for upside you're not drafting for this season you're drafting for future seasons which again this one podcaster is totally in favor of patience is the key it just hasn't been the Blazers stated goal and all of the reporting suggests they've been going in the other direction so be wary of, of these reports this time of year and ask yourself, why is this information out there? Tomorrow's show, we're going to round up all of this stuff. We're going to do mock. Today was supposed to be mock draft day, but I'm going to wait. Tomorrow, uh, this is, you're listening to Wednesday, June 22nd show. Thursday, morning of the draft, the show that comes out morning of the draft. Round up the latest mock drafts, all of the last ones, everyone's final mock draft, and all of the news. We're going to get all of all of all of the rumors and just dump them, everything we know. So come back for, for that one tomorrow. Uh, but for the rest of today's show, the Blazers have two picks, 36 and 57 in this draft. Let's talk about some second round names to know. That's what we'll do in the second segment and or just to close the show, final couple segments of the show. But first, let me talk about Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, all of it, whatever it might be. You want to bet on the WNBA. You want to bet on MLS action. You want to bet on the NWSL. You want to bet on MMA. You want to bet on tennis. You want to bet on the variety of golf events that have all of a sudden are available in North America. It's all there for you. Plus, they got the latest news, so you can become an informed better if you go to Bet Online. Bet smarter, win some money. Go take advantage today. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. Let's talk some names to know. Blazers have 36 and 57 in the, in, in the upcoming second round of Thursday night's draft. I think 36 is fun. I think it's fun. I think it's a good. I think it's a good and interesting spot to be because I think there can be. It's really hard to get second rounders who are NBA players, but the Blazers have had a recent track record of being pretty successful there. With you know your Gary Trent Juniors and your Pat Connaughtons, uh, it's it's they've they've they have found guys who can contribute um, in the in the second round. They have have gone and targeted that, and and Cronin was part of a front. The Joe Cronin was part of the front office that was really good at that. Um, and from everything I know about Joe Cronin, he is super thorough, which means a super thorough, done your homework type GM should excel in the second round. 36 is a fun spot to be. 57, second to last pick in the draft. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, Miami, of, co- of course, uh, 
the two teams lost uh, draft picks. Uh, so it's Miami and Chicago. So uh, there's only 58 picks in the draft this year. So 57 is the second last pick of the draft. Harder to peg 57. Um, you would assume one of these second round picks probably a two-way guy. Uh, and if, if that is, if they keep both, uh, certainly they could sell off one of these picks to a team that doesn't have a second rounder and wants to, to move in and make their pick. But let's, so most of these guys are going to be available in that 36 range. Like I don't, I, and I didn't break them up to 57 and 36. So all I'm going to share eight names with you. And most of them are going to be available in that, in the 36 range or a little bit deeper. Obviously a couple of them might jump up earlier. I don't claim to know how it's all going to shake out that deep into the draft, but here are some names to know and some names I like to. Two, of, two that jumped off the board for me are kind of raw, raw offensive players who are really good defensive athletes. That's Kendall Brown, a 6'8 wing from Baylor, and Josh Minot, a 6'8 forward wing from Memphis. Um, Josh Minot didn't really, like his, his box score numbers don't really suggest that he's much of an NBA prospect. 6.6 6 points, 3.8 rebounds, less than an assist, less than a steal, less than a block. But his permanent numbers, his permanent steals and blocks numbers are wild. Like he came off the bench at Memphis. He's really, really impressive permanent. Like his is just like rate stats for his steal rate and block rate are really impressive. And he's just a, he's just a great athlete. He's just like a really, really good athlete. He just doesn't have a lot of offense. Like he's going to score off cuts and in transition and right now he can't really he doesn't he can't shoot he doesn't have a lot of like sort of individual creation stuff doesn't have a tight handle he's going to make his impact being a defender my my thinking here is that you just can never have enough six eight really good athletes who can defend and if you're taking a flyer on 36 start with someone who's going to jump off the board uh, you know athletic wise and then try to mold from there kind of in the greg brown in the greg brown world um uh, not and Greg Brown was a, like a higher recruit coming out of high school than Minot, but one year at Memphis, uh, Josh Minot probably didn't um, get to showcase all he could be. Uh, Kendall Brown was, uh, you know, he he was on a really good Baylor team that was that got after it and was really athletic. Um, 9.7 points, 4.9 boards, uh, just shy of two assists, a steal, and a, just under half a block. Uh, he he doesn't. He's also just like you know a, a non-shooter and going to be a real project on offense to get there. But again, like real real defensive potential. Um, I have seen Kendall Brown early on in the, in the sort of mock drafts that I was looking at. Kendall Brown mocked up in the teens. He has really slipped down the board since then. I think he could be a first-round guy, but if he's there at 36, I think he's worth considering for sure. Those are kind of like the two, if Portland just needs sort of defensive defensive prospects because they need to up they need to get better defensively and guys that sort of fit the mold for the future of the league, right? Six six eight athletes who can really defend. Switchable, versatile defenders. That's that is the most valuable thing. I mean, you want them to also like the most valuable thing would be like a switchable six eight defender who could really handle and pass. <laughs> um, Andre Iguodala, right? Like prime prime Iguodala would be the best, the, like really valuable. But short of that, if you're drafting the second round, you're going to draft players that are probably not polished, particularly polished. And and those are two names I s- certainly like. Uh, other two that I like. These are players that um, I've kind of grown like while I've been doing draft research. Um, I have poured more into the draft this year than ever in my life. Um, 
I never would have kind of watched YouTube videos of second round prospects in the past. But one, I love y'all and I want to make Lockdown Blazers a wonderful show. And two, the Blazers just haven't played a meaningful game of basketball in a while. And it gave me a little more space to do this in the off season because this is really important. And, and the two names that have kind of, um, I've come to know as like, my my second round draft guys are Ryan Rollins, a uh, point guard from Toledo, and Bryce McGowan, a wing from Nebraska. Ryan Rollins is 6'4", but he has a 6'10 wingspan. He's just like a really long-armed athlete. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't shoot. Uh, I should say this before I get too deep in this. I learned this by watching YouTube videos, listening to Locks on NBA Big Board with Raphael Barlow, and reading Sam Vecini's draft guide as well as the Ringer's draft guide. Like I and, and ESPN's uh, uh, wonderful draft stuff too. Like I learned from. I this is not some of this is like I watched a little bit of video and I'm like, ooh, that's fun, and uh, learn more about them. And a couple of these guys will mention I saw them play in the NCAA tournament. But like for Rollins and Bryce McGowan, these are kind of names that came up while, while I was doing draft research. And then when I learned leaned more into learning about them, I'm like, oh. Okay, I'm excited. Ryan Rollins, 6'10 wingspan, doesn't shoot, but is a, like, from three, but is a pull-up mid-range maestro. His mid-range pull-up highlights are fun as hell. You go under a screen, Ryan Rollins pulls up and hits a jumper in your face from 15 feet. Gets to the rim really well. Um, Isn't, from what I've read, like, not, like, a really high-level passer, but certainly a capable one. And just, like, a dude with... um, who can who can get himself into the paint, get himself to his spots, and if he w- develops more as a shooter um, with his frame, you know, six four with the super long arms, like he's a really intriguing, a really intriguing guard because of you know he has some real skills, like some real polish on offense, um, and already the pull up shooting from the mid range and his you know ability to get to the rim and create and f- have some fun creative finishes make him a really really intriguing player like i'm um I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Rollins, I'm a, I'm a Rollins believer. You know, he played two years at, at Toledo average last season, 18.9, six boards, three and a half assists, almost two steals. Um, his highlight package is floaters and layups. It's a, it's a whole bunch of fun and a whole bunch of mid range jumpers. Um, he's, three point shooting will be the swing skill for him. Bryce McGowan is like a hot draft name. Just a straight up hot draft name. Uh, he can play. He's six seven wing from Nebraska. Average sixteen point eight points, five point two boards, uh, and one point four assists in his alone season at Nebraska. He's a slasher who doesn't shoot it well and doesn't really pass much, but he he can get to his spots and he's the right size at six seven. Like this is. Um, I'm, I think he can play like, I'm just like from reading about him and watching a couple YouTube videos, shout out to hoops intellect on YouTube. Uh, like I, I'm a Bryce McGowan believer. Uh, if he's there at 36, he might be my new, he might be my new Huckleberry. He's my new Ben Matherin. Like where I'm like, okay, I like, I like this dude. Uh, there's the real concerns for him. Like he doesn't, like I said, he's not much of a shooter or a passer, but can, you know, can really score and, and get to the rack and as like a sort of second side athlete. But, but the defense is a concern for him. Like, what's he going? What is he going to be like as a defender? And I think that's for me the big, the big question mark. Like, if you're that size and on the wing, but you're not much of a team defender, you're, you know, you're not the ideal. The, the ideal player at his size is not a slasher scorer. It's a shooter defender, and he kind of bucks the trend. But um, 
I'm enamored with I'm enamored with the Bryce McGowan highlights. I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, go big, go big red. I got four other names, uh, mostly big men, uh, and I will uh, I'll share those with you in the third segment of guys to know in the second round. Some second round prospects that I will have my eye on on draft night. But before we get there, let's talk Bill Bar. The best tasting protein bar on the market. Uh, they got a bunch of fun flavors, including a new one. It's Mud Pie Puff. It's chocolatey and marshmallowy and 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 really, really money. Like the Mud Pie flavor is 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 real solid. Ate one literally earlier this afternoon, prior to recording this here podcast. Uh, but what I like about Bill Bar is that they taste great, but moreover is that they pack a punch, peep the macros, on average 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, just four grams of sugar and four net carbs. That's your average Bill Bar. So find a flavor you like and go ahead and get yourself something that tastes great and gives you the fuel you need. Head to build.com and see all that they got. If you're not into mud pie and the marshmallowy flavors, you're going to find something that suits your fancy. And while you're there, save yourself some money. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked On Blazers. We got more names in the second round. Got a couple big guys, well, three big guys to close out the program. But first, let's talk De'Aaron Sebron from NC State, uh, a guy I legitimately really like. Um, I'm a Carolina guy. I watch AC Hoops. My family, uh, I've got some NC State family. Shout out to, shout out to my Uncle Matt. Uh, Matt, if you're listening, go Wuffies. Uh, you probably hate me saying that, but... For, <laughs> For real. Um, But Darren Sebron is a dude who can't shoot. Cannot shoot. And averaged 17 a game in the ACC. He just got into the paint whenever he wanted. No one could stay in front of him. He's six. He's a six-six wing. He's got long arms. He's got a handle for someone his size. He can just he can just get into the get into the paint. He can just get into the paint. He did it against Carolina. Again, did it against Duke. He did it against Miami. He did it against you know tournament teams in the ACC. When I watched him play, dude is just absolutely gets to his spots. I I really think he can be a good pro. He can't score and in a power five or can't shoot and in a power five conference. He scored seventeen a game like without a jump shot. You do not have to respect his jump shot, and yet he's manipulating pick and rolls, getting to where he wants to go. Uh, average eight rebounds and over three assists. Uh, a steal, basically a steal and a half a game as well. Um, he can pass a little bit. He's not like an elite passer, but he can pass a little bit because he can get into the paint and he knows it. He can see the backline defense come help and make passes. Like you'll, if you watch, um, you know, if you watch a breakdown of him, you'll see him jump stop two feet in the paint. As soon as you help off the corner, he's fine in that corner. Like he, because, because he, because he can look at the defender in front of him and say, well, you're not going to stay in front of me. I'm going to get where I want to go. He can read second-level defenses. like, And if he ever develops any semblance of a jump shooter, it's a terrible three-point shooter in college, he's an NBA player and a long-term NBA player. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big time believer. He's, he's like a, he's just a straight up non shooter. Who's a bucket. Um, I love weird players. I think my, like my, my favorite type of player is guys who kind of just like buck 
what we think is right in the league and Sebron is just bucks that he's just like oh I'm supposed to shoot because this is modern NBA basketball no way I'm just going to get to where I'm going to get to my spots um I love deliberate basketball players and he's deliberate and fluid at the same time like he's stubborn because he's going to drive he's a slash 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 slasher um but he's uh but he's you know he's fluid athlete who can he can cram on you if you get if you give him space to do so he's got a package to to uh some with some crafty finishes and like I said um, he's, he's a terror in transition as well. Like I, I see Brown, I really like, uh, he's not ideal for the, for the Blazers. Cause I think he's like a, a two probably in the NBA to begin his, begin his professional journey. But at 36, I would be super into him. Last three guys on my list for the Blazers, a second round targets are all big guys. And the one that a lot of you really have, have sent me Christian Coloco from, uh, the university of Arizona. That is the name that I absolutely get more than any others from listeners who are like, what about Arizona's Christian Coloco? Seven footer, seven five wingspan, uh, spent three years in Arizona last year, averaged uh, 12.6 points, 7.3 rebounds, uh, a little less than one and a half assists and almost three blocks a game, 2.8 blocks a game. Uh, led the led the Pac-12 in block shots. He's a defender, like just an elite rim protector, rim shot alterer type of, type of defender. Like he's a dude who's going to create havoc around the rim. Uh, he's a roller on offense. Like he doesn't do much else. He's not a passer. He's not a, um, you know, all of you, when I was watching little, little clips of him, like his highlights out of the pick and roll are him finishing at the rim, him getting him, getting himself to the rim. He's not, he's not making high level reads at, at, with pick and roll stuff. And I, and he's not a post-up guy. Like he's a, he's a lob threat. He's a roll downhill guy. He's a, he's a find himself in space and an offensive rebound put back guy. He's got some fun put back dunks. Um, the concern for me is that I think his frame is a little thin to be like a true center immediately in the league. Uh, admittedly, I only watched Arizona play two games this year, and I didn't really like Coloco. Like that's that is, I loved Ben Matherin and like have been you know freaking on that train from early on, uh, and have hitched. <laughs> hitched my wagon for better or for worse to Matherin, but um, I didn't really, in the two games I watched, I didn't really love Coloco. I, he didn't he didn't stand out to me, but um, he's he's a name that if he's there at 36 is, is absolutely worth considering. Uh, the next guy on the list is Ismail Kamagate, who played for Paris Basket in the French League in the, the highest level of the French League last season. He spent the previous two years in the second tier of the French League and then moved up to the to the top tier of the French League and was average 11 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 1.6 blocks he's just a great athlete like the, the he worked out for the blazers in portland they, they brought him in to work out he's um he's a great athlete uh, i think he's a like a project right like he doesn't have a lot of feel and doesn't have a lot of polish but he's 6 11 with a 7 4 wingspan and he has some ability to stay in front of smaller players on the perimeter like he's got defensive versatility to protect the rim and guard in space. You just like, he's probably a ways away from being in a, like he's probably a full year away from being an NBA contributor. Like if you draft him, it's a, it's a wait and, and develop him behind the scenes type of thing, you know, play him some spot minutes here and there, but like he's not an early contributor in his rookie season, but there just aren't that many dudes in the world who are his size with his athletic profile. Uh, he is, that is the intriguing part, right? Seven, four wingspan can guard on guard in space, obviously block shots at a high level. Um, if he develops, 
you know, some offensive stuff, then he becomes a player. If he just becomes a lob threat and an elite defensive force, he's probably a long-term pro. Like, um, but again, that's like, those are a lot of steps. The offensive polish is a long way away. Um, you know, you have zero offensive moves and you don't have a lot of like offensive skills. And yet you're playing in the highest level in France. It's because you're special and he's special athletically. And I think that's Kamigate is, is, um, he, I would be excited about him at 36 or 57. I don't think he'll last to 57. In fact, I think he could go as high as the you know late first round from what I've read about him, uh, you know, in the 20s. So if he's there at 36, you might just have to make your move if you want him because I think the intrigue with him, although he's obviously a project, is is really high. The last guy on my list is someone that I just straight up really loved watching in the NCAA tournament, and that's Jalen Williams from Arkansas. Spent two years at Arkansas, and his sophomore year, he averaged 10.9 points, 9.8 boards, 2.6 assists, 1.3 steals, and 1.1 blocks. Did a little bit of everything. Um, I, I just straight up loved watching this dude in the NCAA tournament. He is such a good passer for someone his size. Um, he shoots a little bit from deep. Uh, I don't think, I, I don't love the, like the jump shooting numbers are gross. And like from the little bit I watched, didn't really look like a guy who should be taking jumpers. A lot of times he just wouldn't even consider the rim. He'd catch it, you know, 20 feet and be like, yeah, I'm going to run dribble handoffs. But he can really pass. Like he he is a very skilled passer uh, and I I love bigs I love bigs who can pass and on defense he was just he was rugged like he he was he was right up there against Mark Williams who he was bigger than he's you know um uh hanging tough with um you know hanging tough with the Zags like he was and their front line like he's uh Gonzaga like he's he do can play uh, I I like this was like a, just an NCAA tournament guy who I had no idea, right? Like, I'm not a college basketball guy. No idea going in. And then by the end of the afternoon watching him, I'm like, I love Jalen Williams. This is my favorite player in college basketball. Um, love him. Love him. Love him. I'll just be a straight-up fan of his wherever. If he's in the in the league, I will root for Jalen Williams because I, I, I straight-up really like him. Um, he might not be much of an offensive player, and I, I think there's legitimate concerns about his athleticism at the next level. But the IQ stuff, like feel, I'm such a feel guy. Like, that's my biggest thing when I watch players. I'm like, does, does this dude, like, just intuitively know where to be? Like, that's... Um, that's why I was really high on Trenton Watford early in the season. I was like, oh, this guy kind of gets it. Like he has a good feel. Jalen Williams just has a great feel, great feel on offense and a really smart passer and a, and a good feel on, on how to be a competitive defender playing against, you know, some high, really, high, you know, first high first round picks when I watched him a couple times in, in, in the NCAA tournament, maybe three of their games in the NCAA tournament. I like him. I, I, I like, uh, McGowan, Jalen Williams and, uh, Darian Sebron are like, those are my dudes. <laughs> those are my second round dudes, uh, for sure. Uh, those are, if the Blazers end up with any of those three, you can tweet at me or email me, comment in the YouTube channel and say, they got your guy because they will have got my guy. Those are, um, those are three that I'm a fan of. Those are eight names to know. The Blazers have, um, 36 and 57 in the draft. They are, you know, probably going to use one of those picks as a chance they end up, you know, trade back and end up with another second rounder. And, um, these these guys might be a little deep in the range, but if they're there at 36, I think all eight of these are worth considering. And if any of them are around at 57, you snap them up and keep it moving. That is today's show. Tomorrow's show. Everything you need to know about the NBA draft. 
everything. I am going to listen to a kajillion podcast. I'm going to read every rumor. I'm going to read every freaking post on r slash rip city. I'm going to be all over the internet and then I'm going to bring it to you. Everything you need to know, everything we absolutely know. So when you wake up on the draft morning, you'll have all the latest mock drafts. You'll have all the latest rumors. You'll be armed with every bit of information you could possibly need heading into the draft. And then Thursday night, the draft happens and the world's going to change for the Blazers probably dramatically. They're either going to end up with three rookies or some combination of something else. The team is going to look and feel different come Thursday night. So Friday morning show, we will, or Friday show, we will have all of that for you. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Locked on NBA YouTube channel. We're going to have a ton, a ton as a network content around the NBA draft. We'll have a live draft show. We'll have every uh, host reacting to uh, reacting to all the picks. It's, it's going to be a ton of fun. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you subscribe to this uh, show on wherever you're listening. If you're, if you're a new listener, welcome. I'm super happy to have you. If you're a longtime listener, I'm also super happy to have you. Thanks for coming back. Everybody, make this show your first listen every single day. Come back for more. Two really fun shows to close out the week. And the most the most exciting day of the NBA offseason. The NBA draft is just a ton of fun. I love it. I haven't always loved it. I'm learning to love it this year. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what the Blazers do. I'm ready. I'm kind of impatient, quite frankly. I'm ready for it to go ahead and happen. But we'll have one show in between there with every everything you need to know. So make sure you come back and listen to that one. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.